the Pediatric Lounge, a podcast taking you behind the door of the Physician's Lounge to get a deeper insight into just what docs are talking about today. From the clinically profound to the wonderfully routine and everything in between. Well, hello again. This is your co-host, Dr. Herb Bravo, and with you is your co-host, Dr. George Rogu from Long Island, New York. Today, we start Season 2, Episode 1 of the podcast. And once again, we thank you all for listening and coming back week after week. And all our wonderful guests who share their time with us to make this conversation possible. We thought that to begin this season and to celebrate the anniversary, we would highlight a young person who is passionate about pediatrics. And so we have invited medical student Morgan Lackin, who is at Florida International University, to tell us why passion is important and how she intends to follow that passion through to becoming a pediatrician, her lifelong dream. Please welcome Morgan to our show. Hi, George. Good to see you again on Tuesday as you are vacationing in Miami once again. Oh, yeah. It's Fort Lauderdale, but it's close to Miami. And I still um, do the podcast. I'm going for the podcast, but I go. It's no big deal. We have a wonderful guest today, Morgan Lackey. Lackey she is a third-year medical student and an aspiring pediatrician. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. The reason I invited Morgan, George, is because I was very impressed by this young person sitting in a cold, dark room in a conference room at Nicholas Children's CME while it was 85 degrees and perfect outside in Miami. And I asked her, where does she work? And she says, I don't work. I'm a medical student. And I was thought, you know, that's a lot of passion. I said, why are you here? She said, well, I want to be a pediatrician. And I thought we should follow her journey and help her out, you know, become a great pediatrician. So we invited her to the podcast. I'm down for that. So, Morgan, why did you spend that weekend indoors when you could be outside in Miami? So that was actually the first conference I was able to go to during medical school between COVID and just being online. So I was super excited when I heard of something in the area that was offering anything to do with peeps. So I immediately signed up. Definitely no right no when I showed up and I was the only medical student. And I was a little scared. I learned a lot and met a lot of great people. So it was definitely worth all the time. Yeah. Where did your passion for pediatrics come from? Okay. So I've always loved working with kids. Almost all the jobs that I've had throughout my life have been with children. I worked at a daycare, two preschools, three summer camps. So all my jobs I chose to do were with kids. And I also was very academically driven. Sorry. Very academically driven. So I wanted something that combined my academics with my passion for children. So in 2018, I worked at a camp for kids with cancer. And this is where I really found the combination of science and children, so pediatrics. And ever since then, it's been my dream. Wow. And what was the camp with the kids with cancer like? Like, how long and where was it? So it was in New Jersey. It was called Happiness is Camping. 
and it was a sleepover camp. So I had the youngest girls at anywhere from like usually five or six, finally camp. And it was just so inspiring. These kids were the happiest kids you've ever seen, even though they were fighting these huge, big battles. So it was really inspiring to me because I thought it was going to be very cumbersome and just like take a lot out of me. But every day when I woke up, just like the smile and the energy that they had and knowing what they were going through, it was just, it was really inspiring. Wow. And what kind of cancers did they have? All kinds of cancers or mostly leukemias? Yeah, mostly leukemia. I had one girl with retinoblastoma and they also had their siblings. Their siblings were allowed to go. So that was also a great experience because, you know, they really do. They don't have cancer, but they go through a lot as well. So just being able to see them and what they've gone through was also very inspiring. You got to speak to them and ask them about their medical condition at all? or Oh, yes. Mostly we're very open about it. Um, Yes. Some of them mentioned how they used to have best friends who were no longer with us, but they like accepted that. Yeah, they talked about it very nonchalantly, which I wasn't expecting. You know, I was proceeding with caution and everything that I did, but they were very open and wanted to talk about it. We're very happy that they were with people who had gone through similar experiences. So, yeah, they talked about everything. Well, you'll find that from that camp on your medical boards, it doesn't matter which ones, you'll find a bunch of medical questions from that camp. Retinoblastoma, leukemia, and all that. You'll remember these things. Yeah. That's the test. I hope so. Did, did you, were you able to keep in touch with any other families? I'm still in touch with the camp, not any of the individual families, but the camp is still going. I've been strong and I'd love to volunteer there and eventually volunteer there as a physician, but I just have to give myself a few more years for that. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's such a nice story. Yeah, I really enjoy that story. So you're a modern medical student. So student loans are an issue. How is that affecting how you and your classmates think about what you can do as physicians in the future? So student loans are constantly hanging over our heads. Most of us will finish with about two hundred to $300,000 in debt by the end of our schooling, and that's just for our MD, not for our undergrad, or some people have master's degrees. So because of that, I think that a lot of people end up choosing a different specialty than what they're really passionate about. Specifically with pediatrics, the salary is low compared to other medical specialties, and I think that's one of the factors that drives people away from the field, is they just are really worried about paying off these student loans and they sometimes choose a specialty just to get rid of that anxiety. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned that you thought you were going to have to work for a health system so that you would get some uh, loan repayment. How does that make you feel? You, you live in America, but you don't actually have a treat. Yeah, we definitely, I feel like just as medical students, we kind of just realize early that we have to take what we can get it try and get rid of the debt as soon as possible. The healthcare system is kind of like a well-oiled machine that has just a lot of these big companies who are in control of everybody. They are gaming the system. There is a new, I found from New York, 
is called Doctors Across Across New York grant. So they have this alternative method where if you work for a practice that services underserved Medicaid and Child Health Plus, you you may qualify, even though you're not in an underserved area, because the health system is not in the underserved area either. This is my soapbox. They're right across the street. Yet if you work across the street, you can go. But if you work for our office, you cannot get a loan forgiveness. So, you know, I challenge powers that be in New York to allow private practices that serve the same Medicaid and childhood plus patients to give these medical students student loan grants to be able to work for private practice because it's getting very difficult to hire physicians because of these darn student loans. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. My little rant is over. No, it's a problem for individual choice. It's a problem for free market and it's a problem for access to care. Yeah. You know, and, and New York has more pediatricians that it needs, such as so does Northern Virginia and the DC suburb. It's compounded as you go towards the smaller communities where there may be only one pediatrician for many towns around. Yeah. Now, we applied for one physician in our group. You know, we, we punched out all the numbers. We have about 60% child health plus in Medicaid. We should theoretically have her qualified. If she doesn't qualify, you know, we may lose her or we qualify the health system down the street, which is what levels are wrong. Yeah, that's not right. It, that needs to be changed. Yeah, we got to talk to the governor and the governor is in charge of this. Yeah. Yep. So Morgan, why do you think passion is more important than money? That's obvious when we talk to you, that you doing something you're passionate about is more important than money. Yeah, absolutely. I think passion rules over money in any case. I know it's important to be financially stable. So I understand that. But after that, I really don't think that money buys you happiness. And if you're living every day doing a job that you don't like, you're going to be miserable, even if you're making two or three times the salary. So I think it's really important that being a pediatrician, no matter if it's primary care or if you're a specialist, you're going to make more than enough to have a great life. So I think it's important for medical students and just physicians to take a step back and realize that your salary, even if it's one of the lower medical specialties, is more than enough to live a great life and you're going to love every day. I know a lot of pediatricians and, you know, they're impoverished. They, they have a good life. They drive nice cars. They have nice houses. The kids go to schools. Yes. And they're happy, right? Listen to Susan Sirota say, you know, there's not a day in my life I don't enjoy a seat. Oh, yeah. Correct. Nutrition is the they're, they're a favorite physician. They're rock stars of medicine. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and the other thing is when you're passionate about something, you're likely to do a really great job. And if you do a really great job, as your dad says, you know, do good medicine, the money will follow. If you're dragging yourself out of bed to do something you don't want to do, you're not going to do a great job, no matter how disciplined you are. You're just doing it because that's how you make money. So I think it's very wise of Morgan to have that idea to follow her passion. And it's uh, very nice to see some young person that is very passionate about something and following that dream. Well, she needs to be encouraged. She needs to be, you know, supported before she becomes tarnished. And paint right. Yes, absolutely. You did some dancing in college. Did you care to share about 
what what it was that you did in college with dancing and how that um, exemplifies how important it is to have passions? Sure. So I started dancing when I was like four or five years old and I danced all the way through college. And it was really, yeah, that was my passion for medicine. It taught me how to be on time. It taught me teamwork, discipline, all of that stuff. But the most important thing it taught me was how to be creative. I think it's really important for a physician to not only be academic, but also just to be well-rounded and personable. I think that's what lacks sometimes in physicians. So I think dance really taught me how to mix creativity in with my academics. Yeah. So George has his own passion. It's called an electric guitar. And he's followed that passion and it what's kept him from burning out over and over again, right? We use it for fundraisers. I made bands, doctors, fundraisers for the hospital. You know, before COVID, we had a thing called the Good Sam Jam, where I got five bands, each one with its own doctor in it. A fundraiser. You know what? We raised thirty thousand dollars. We raised more money than they would for a regular, you know, black tie event and things like that. It really didn't cost that much. Unfortunately, COVID killed that project. Yeah. And Morgan, you're also interested in tech and how tech integrates. Where did you find that? And what, what is your interest there? So I think technology, it's amazing, but it's also really scary. I think in modern times, it's like our biggest asset, but it's also our biggest downfall. So I think we just need to be really cognizant as to how we use technology in medicine, because I think there's a lot of unintended consequences that are going to come from it. But there's also life-changing medications that are going to come from it. So, so I think it's definitely something that's new and exciting, but something that we have to be wary of before we just jump into these things. So when you say you're worried about it, is it the AI stuff that gives you some pause? Yeah, definitely AI. Um, but even genetic editing scares me a lot. That's one thing that I'm very interested in. And the ability to change someone's genome is very scary. But also AI can be very dangerous, already having issues with it. So I think anything in the tech world, I think we are making advancements faster than we know how to control them. Yeah. So, yes. And, and so at what point will you change your genome? Like in, in the womb? Yes. So they're doing it in the in the womb for people who want designer babies or people who want to make sure their kid is athletic or academically inclined. They're starting to be able to open these designer baby shops. And it's yeah, very Oh, that that is very scary. Yeah, there's some global it's regulations, but a scientist already broke it and he is currently in jail for it. Oh, that, that sounds like what Hitler did, right? And, you know, it does. Like, you know, we're going to have blue eye white babies, and that's it, and of a certain height and with a certain intelligence. That, that is very scary. Yes, it is. And people are even doing it, like, in their backyard and stuff, not on, like, the human scale, but with dogs and a whole bunch of other animals. So it's definitely something that's happening and happening soon. Yeah, there is a farm in Argentina that clones horses for polo. And 
they they make identical like identical twins and the horses all behave exactly the same they win the whole championship in argentina year after year but all the horses are cloned wow it's just it's just bizarre right yeah very bizarre very, and who very. knows what type of genetic anomalies are going to come out of those horses or humans or dogs yeah and create a whole new subspecialty of medicine they make movies about the spouse. Yeah. Yeah. So your first two years in medical school were not the usual. Can you tell us what happened and how it was disappointing? Sure. So I am a COVID medical student. So I graduated college in spring of 2020. And then I went right into medical school in fall of 2020. And I spent a year and a half online. A year and a half out of two of my basic science years online. So it was great because I got to stay home with my family. And my mom was a great cook. So that was nice. I didn't have to pay rent. But it was also very isolating and very difficult. I was just in like a little closet in my room. My sister was an ER nurse during the pandemic. And we were sharing a room. So our schedules were different. I had no patient interactions. My clinical skills were just history taking. I was not allowed to touch a patient, actually, until I started my clinical sciences in January. So it's just been really crazy and unusual, I think, for a medical school experience. Yeah. And and on top of that, you picked to go to school in the tropics. And yes. you decided to Jersey. <laughs> yes. So I chose my school because I wanted to study abroad and I wasn't able to do that during undergrad. So I was like, oh, this is the medical school is the perfect time for me to go abroad. And as soon as I hit that, the yes on the acceptance letter, COVID happened. Uh So that was a little disappointing. But I did get my semester in the sun and try to make the most out of it. But still, COVID was on high alert. We had a curfew. We were not allowed to touch any of the patients. We had to sit six feet apart in the library. Yeah, you weren't making any friends. Oh, what a what an experience. And what was your experience with your pediatrician growing up in a small town? So I love my pediatrician. His name is Dr. Kupo, so shout out to him. But I am from a small county in New Jersey from Sussex County. And he is like the pediatrician of Sussex County. So you see him at ShopRite. He lives in my town. We're all friends on Facebook. Like, he is just the pediatrician and he's everybody's friend. And yeah, so he is definitely way more than a pediatrician. He's a great guy. But you'll go to like school and you'll say, oh, it's a pediatrician. And everyone has the same one. I don't know why they ask. But yeah, very <laughs> different than being in Miami. I drive down the street and there's five pediatric offices. Yeah, Long Island, D.C. suburb, New York City. There's so many pediatricians, so different. Well, maybe we should do a podcast with Morgan and our doctor. Dr. Pupo, that would, that would be very, very cool. You should reach out to Morgan and see if he would be willing to do it. I definitely will. You've been hanging out with the seasoned physicians lately. What have you learned from all the little things that we do? And what do you think about what we're trying to do for our specialty? I have loved every minute of it. I have learned so much. I have a little notebook where I jot down all my notes after each meeting. But it's just been great. I learned 
do's and don'ts. I learned what to look for in my contract and I'm ready to sign one. I really learned the importance of primary care. That's been like big thing for me. It's just how much these doctors do outside the office. Their marketing, their educator, their uh, talking for public policies for these children. Like they're doing so much communities. And I don't really think they're acknowledged for that. There's just so much beyond the examination room. Does that inspire you to get involved, manage your practice, be involved in policy? Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. great. That's great. Because part of my hope in inviting you is to inspire you to be even great, greater than what you already are with the passion for taking care of kids in medicine. We really need young people like you to step up and change the way healthcare is delivered in America because I'm not going to be able to do it. And I don't want my specialty to die with me. I want my specialty to live with people like you. Yeah. So that was um, interesting. Herb, I've told you this a couple of times. You know, we have the students that wrote the third year medical students that rotate in my office every month. I have a new one. They all, I have yet to meet the student that comes in. Yes, I want to pediatrics. Morgan is the first. They all want to do internal medicine, dermatology, all the high profile uh, specialties. A lot of them want to do internal medicine or hospitalist care. It's the same old song and dance. So then they hang out with me and the people in my office for a month. And then afterwards, they say, you know, this pediatrics is not too bad after all. I may change. Now, I don't know if they're going to change or they're just saying they're going to change. But, you know, I think I did something to help them enlighten them a little bit. I think you do. And I think that, you know, as, as Morgan says, when we meet on Tuesday mornings, we're talking about marketing. Everybody's making money in these practices. Even the startups, they're all making money, plenty of money to live in, and they're happy. They're happy, they're engaged, you know, they have control over their work environment. You know, their offices look like they want them to look, and they feel like how they want them to look, and they're taking care of kids across the country. So it's a great thing. It's it's not a bad specialty if that's your passion. You know what, Warren, you should listen to this. Somebody told me once, one of these business people. They said, everybody thinks that your MD gives you a guarantee to success. It does not, right? All it does is it gives you a little bit of a head start ahead of your, your colleagues that went into business, that went into you know, law and things like that. The rest is up to you. Your success is determined by you. Your failures are also determined by you. Absolutely. You know? Your MD does not guarantee you success, but your MD can help you to success. Oh, absolutely. I didn't even see that with just the preceptors that I've been with. Some of them you could tell don't want to be there and others are super passionate and really want look for the best in each patient. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Morgan, what would you like other medical students to know about your experience and what advice would you give them? Drive teams. <laughs> but, even all the lectures that I've been to, the future of PEDS is really exciting. There's a lot of advancements, a lot of new things going on. So I think that you just need to take a step back if someone's telling you not to do pediatrics and just go for it anyway. Yeah. Because the good thing with pediatrics is we prevent horrible disease and we make everybody better. 
You really do. Absolutely. Yes. It's the one specialty where you can really change the course of someone's life. You have such a big impact on somebody. Yeah, I think then pediatrics, you can change the world, right? You already changed the world. Well, yeah, but have already changed the world. Yeah. Nation, preventative medicine, and all that kind of stuff. But you can change the world one kid at a time. You know, you yeah. can have a huge impact. And, you know, one kid might be something silly. You might just, I don't know, taking a splinter out of his finger. But to, to them, it's such a big deal that it informs the rest of their life and their passion. And that's the beauty of pediatrics is a blank canvas. Each kid's a blank canvas, and you have the opportunity of touching it before it gets painted up. It is a beautiful specialty. What else do you want to share with our podcast audience, Morgan? Just that money really is everything. Even working with my different preceptors, I've been told multiple times to not go into pediatrics. I don't know what their reasoning is or why, but almost every physician I've talked to says don't do pediatrics. So I think that just need to follow your heart, follow your passion. And pediatrics is great. I just think that they need to be inspired and they need to see other people going into pediatrics too. If you feel alone, it's a lot more daunting. So there are people who still love feeds. There are people who want to make the future of pediatrics bright. So just look for those those people, follow your passions, and keep going. Yeah. Well, find them all on the pediatric lounge. Just yes. Absolutely. That the thing that I think with classmates, it's make pediatric lounge go viral at your medical school. Oh yeah. I I think your preceptors are being greedy. They don't want you to go on pediatric because they only want you as a colleague. I think that's really what's going on. <laughs> they don't. Well, as a competitor, that's true too. It's something where I'm scared of you. <laughs> Those guys that live in the academic ivory towers, and they they work until they're a hundred. There's no room for you. It's plenty it's of big old guys. It is true. All right. Well, Morgan, this has been delightful. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward uh, to following your career path. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Morgan. You're welcome. See you soon, Morgan. See you. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Pediatric Lounge. On the show notes, you will find links to our co-host and other important notes as well as a timetable of the topics discussed today. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a great review as it helps us greatly. In the meantime, we will see you next week. The Pediatric Lounge. The conversations are not intended as medical advice and the opinions expressed are solely those of the host and the guest.